0: The volume. Hey guys, it's the Sessions presented by FanDuel. It might be cold, but the sports calendar is heating up, baby, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and so, so easy to use. FanDuel always has exclusive offers, boosts, and more. And when you win, you're gonna get paid real fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like with the spread, money line, over, under, team totals, player props, and so much more. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And you can combine multiple bets from the same game in a same game parlay to try out the same game parlay plus. Get in on that. And... FanDuel is now live in Maryland, y'all. So use the promo code Renee R-E-N-E-E, and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. Tennessee redline 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to The Sessions. I hope everybody is doing great. God, I can't believe we're in December. The days are ticking down to Christmas or Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating, all of those great things. Um, I just love the holiday seasons oh so much. Watching some Christmas movies, doing all those great things. I gotta bake some cookies. I actually made some cookies the other day, these um, Butterfinger chocolate chip cookies. Exceptional. Anyways, it sounds like I'm about to get into an ad, which I'm not. I just wanted to let you guys know that I was making cookies and that I love Christmas. Um, I also love the guest of the show today because I am joined by Brody King. I feel like he's just like a fan favorite of like all the guys and the girls in the pro wrestling world because so many people are like, you got to get Brody King on the show. You got to get Brody King on the show. So that is exactly what I did. I had him on. We had a chit chat. The guy, um, fascinating. Not only is he the pro wrestler that we all know and love uh, alongside um, Malachi Black and House of Black. Um, we talked Julia Hart. We talk a little, a little buddy in there. All the things going on with House of Black, but also his entire career in uh, the film industry, working in set design and set lighting and all that. His, his hardcore band, God's Hate, um, he teaches me a little bit about hardcore music because, honestly, I, I don't really know. It's not not really my thing, but I'm interested. Um, anyways, you don't need to hear me tell you more about this. We'll let Brody tell you all about it. Here he is, guys. This is Brody King. Um, okay, we are officially recording, guys. Brody King here on the Sessions podcast. It's happening. I'm pumped about this. But you just hopped on the Zoom call. Um, you just dropped your kids off to school. What a doozy it is getting out the house with kids, huh? Like, what is happening? What, it takes, it takes like, a lot of, like, emotional endurance. You've got to be able to carry as many things as possible. Like, it's a shit show out there. What, how was your experience this morning?
1: Today was pretty smooth sailing. I mean, really, the only hiccup is that they wanted waffles before they went to school. But I feel like you have to account for at least an hour before you have to do something. You know, if they have to be at school at 10, you got to get up at 830 and start everything. You got to be at 830 just to mentally prepare yourself for what's to come.
0: You need to give yourself like that mental prep time. The other day I was, uh, everything just hit the fan. Like our our, our nanny wasn't able to be here. So like I just scrapped my day, which was like totally fine. I was happy to do it. I love being able to like hang out with my kid, obviously. But I was like, let's go on a hike. Let's get out of the house. I was near tears by the time I got in the car. I was like, we need to get some boots on you. We need a jacket. I need to pack some snacks. I need to bring all these things. So I'm like, and I think it's like the city person in me that does not like to make multiple trips in and out of the house. I want to do it all in one go, which just stacks the odds against me. (laughs) I'm like six water bottles, 10 jackets, a backpack. Like I had all this stuff and then I got out to like our driveway, and John's truck was just parked too close to mine, so I could not get Nora in the car seat. I nearly flipped my shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, those little things that just make you have a full mental collapse, and it's like, this was not that big of a deal.
0: (laughs) I know, you get in the car, and everything's settled, and you're like, you've already flipped your shit. You're like, okay, time to just compose. And then I think, I'm like, did any of my neighbors just see me, like, storming in and out of the house? (laughs) Having a meltdown.
1: (laughs) That happened to me last... It was either last week or the week before. Uh, It was raining, so I got them all ready. Uh, They were waiting to get in the car. I had their snacks and milk, and I was going to the car to put it in. And my daughter was about to take a step out onto the porch with her socks on. So I, like, hopped back up on the porch, and I just ate shit. Like, my foot (laughs) came out, and I was full back bumped on the porch cereal went fucking everywhere <laughs> then it's just like i'm trying to like not like lose my shit at that moment so i just like stood there and was like Ugh. uh i uploaded the video to tiktok so you know ring, ring uh, cameras uh, just for one thing and that's for people falling on the porch
0: oh my god it's fan that you put that up you posted it oh yeah Oh, I missed it. I need to see that. That's amazing. Oh my god, I love it. It's so funny too when like that moment happens and you're just like you don't even get mad, you just kind of sit there stewing in your rage. That's that's when it's it's really really bad. Um I feel like I can't picture you actually getting mad. What does mad Brody look like?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like most people can't picture me being happy, which is why it throws them off when I'm in public.
0: It's funny kind of like leading up to this interview. Um, and as I'm, like, always trying to, like, book guests, figure out what we're doing on the show, blah, blah, blah. Like, so many people are like, you got to get Brody King on. Like, I feel like you are, like, a favorite of the boys. Everyone loves you.
1: Well, that's that's awesome. I I appreciate that. I mean, I, I just have, I don't know, I have some good stories and I have a lot of life experience, I guess.
0: <laughs> that's true. You do. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know these stories firsthand and we're going to get into them. Um, but, yeah, you are a very layered fellow um so that being said let's start with a little god's hate your band um how just like kind of walk me through the hardcore music scene and what like your love of that is creating a band because as much as like i've been in and around it i understand to a degree the hardcore music scene but i want to know from your perspective where like that love comes from
1: music has always been around. My dad listened to like Black Sabbath and like heavier alternative music, like Rage Against the Machine, Tool, stuff like that. Um, When I was in middle school, uh, so this was like 97, 98, 99-ish, when I started getting into uh, like punk rock music. So I started getting into bands like Rancid, uh, Black Flag, AFI, Offspring. That kind of like forged my pathway through like finding punk rock and like all those ethos behind it. And then I also liked, you know, metal music like Slipknot and stuff like that, which hardcore music is kind of like both of those melded together. And it's just a more aggressive punk, uh, more violent punk rock, if you will. And uh, that that kind of always spoke to me. And then when I was in high school, like I really started going to like local hardcore shows and punk rock shows. And, you know, I found straight edge through hardcore music and what
0: is the relation between that between um hardcore music and and straight edge
1: i mean it was created in hardcore music
0: okay i did see i didn't know that i honestly mostly know about the straight edge lifestyle through professional wrestling and obviously the guys that are associated with that
1: yeah so i mean like obviously you know people don't drink and do drugs all the time we're like the common misconception like when people are like oh i'm kind of straight edge it's like no you're not it's like it's more of like an ethos and like a badge of honor than it is like you know This is what I am. It's like, this is like how I live my life type thing. And it comes from, you know, the ethos of punk rock and hardcore music. So it's like when a normal person is like, I'm straight edge. You're like, yeah, it's okay.
0: No, you cannot be a part-timer straight edger. You're either in or you're out. Shit or get off the pot.
1: And from there on, it was just kind of all consuming. I mean, I've been in and out of bands for 10 years. Uh,
0: Always hardcore?
1: Always hardcore, yeah. I met my wife through it.
0: Oh, cool. Okay.
1: Up until wrestling, hardcore was my life.
0: So I was watching some of the videos, like, of your band, of you guys doing, like, live shows and stuff. Like, it is very physical. Uh Holy shit. Like, like, and you're saying, like, oh, you, like, meet friends there, and it's, like, this really great environment. I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like I'd get my ass kicked if I was there. Like, how do you, like, physically – I mean, obviously, on the physical side of things, as a professional wrestler, you know what you're getting into. But you were having people, like, grabbing at, like, your neck and, like, launching themselves into the crowd. Like, you're dodging people left, right, and center. Like, that's pretty nuts. You you get, like, beat up at those shows?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that get beat up at those shows. But
0: Oh, my God.
1: Uh, it, somebody put it this way the, the other day. They're like, it's a safe space to do very unsafe things. Uh, and that was, like. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for hardcore and punk rock music, I'm pretty sure that I would have ended up somewhere much less enjoyable, uh, you know, because you can go to these places and you can get out that that angst or whatever emotion that you have in you. And like if you get in a fight that night, that's what happens if you know, you can release yourself how you feel you need to kind of uh, within, you know, there is like obviously sort of like guidelines and rules to it, but like it's all very loose. From an outsider looking in, you just see a bunch of people basically fighting each other. You know, I've been knocked out by like some of my best friends. And it's just like you just get up, brushed off, and you keep going.
0: Like I saw this one dude like in the circle of all of the chaos happening. And he's just like twirling around and like throwing basically Judas effects to everybody. I'm like, this, what's this guy doing? It's crazy. But hey, you found your spot. Love is love. And it's great. I just like, I, I just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I guess like was curious watching like how that all exists, how you fell into it. So great. Uh, what else are you listening to?
1: So my main things are pop music, like my yearly rap uh, spot. Oh, up.
0: what was on there? What is on your yearly rap?
1: Number one was Dua Lipa.
0: Me too. I don't know if she was my number one, but she was definitely ranked for me. I love that Dua Lipa album. It's so good.
1: Yeah, and my kids are, like, obsessed with Cold Heart, her and Elton John. So that, like, it's, like, all the time. But, yeah, I think my top five were, like, Dua Lipa, AFI, uh, and then just hardcore music. So it was, like, E-Town Concrete, Gridiron, King 9, stuff like that.
0: (laughs) I just got buzzed on the, the little chat here on our Zoom call that you're a big Harry Styles guy. Is this true?
1: I do like Harry Styles, actually, yeah.
0: Who doesn't? What a dreamboat that guy is, huh? Very hot he is such a babe there's like that like androgynous charm about him plus being british just adds to that his fashion is amazing songs are great i'm i'm a big fan
1: yeah i'm a fan of people that piss off normal people so it's like him dresses and everyone is like you can't do that it's like why not
0: yeah walk the red carpet and own that shit it looks great While we're talking Harry Styles, do you think that he spat on Chris Pine at the thing? What do you think was all the drama with um, Don't Worry Darling?
1: I don't know much about it. I just know that he was like seemingly having like a mental collapse and like the press release of that.
0: Everybody was so bizarre.
1: Maybe that movie just pushed a lot of people to their limit.
0: Did you see that movie?
1: I haven't seen it yet. No.
0: So you worked in the film industry for quite some time. Yeah. What, what did you do?
1: 15 years. Yeah. I, I was a jet lighting technician um, based in Hollywood. Uh, my dad did it. My grandfather did it.
0: Wow. What movies did you work on? Drop some names. Give me some of the, give me some of the goods.
1: I worked on like all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I worked on, like a bunch of Marvel movies, uh, a lot of TV shows, um, RuPaul's Drag Race.
0: Wow. These are like the name drops of name drops.
1: Yeah, I got to to do some cool stuff.
0: Who was your favorite person to work for or like being on set with and like, you, you know, you mentioned some of these like movies shows and whatever. Those are like some big name stars. It's always really interesting being around people like of that stature of people that like still remain really impressive when you see them on a set like that. Who are some of the people that were like really cool to be
1: around? Johnny Depp is really awesome. Like he's very social and like the production crew tells you like not to talk to him because he won't stop talking to you.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh Tom Hanks was really cool. Like there's definitely a lot of cool people. And then like the people that you would think are cool are just like not at all.
0: Were there conversations that you were having with people when you're like kind of rubbing elbows and shooting the shit like this, that, that like professional wrestling gets brought up?
1: Sometimes. Yeah. It, it was funny because when I was in Ring of Honor, um, I was working on the show The Neighborhood that's currently on CBS, I think, uh, Cedric the Entertainer Show. A couple of the people that are on that show, a couple of cast members, uh, found out that I was a wrestler and they were just like super interested in that. This is like right when I got signed to Ring of Honor. So I had a couple indie dates. There was a GCW show in LA and uh, I was like, hey, do you guys want to come out to a wrestling show? And they're like, Sure. So, What
0: a show to bring them to. Come on out to GCW MDK, baby.
1: It gets better. So they come to the show and it was the show that David Arquette wrestled Nick Gage.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> Stop. Oh, my God. So what they must have freaking like, oh, we know David Arquette. Great. Let's watch it. Cut to like 10 minutes later.
1: Yeah. I don't think that they realized that like David like almost died in the match, but like they were like, that was insane, like, I can't believe David Arquette was here, and, like, then they were, like, also, like, you know, blown away by, like, me being a wrestler, so it was, like, you know, I, we go back to set, they're, like, bragging to, like, Cedric, like, yo, like, you gotta check it out, and it was funny, because, like, uh, this was at the time where, like, AEW, I think, first started getting TV and first started kind of blowing up, you know, to everybody, and they were, like, yo, you gotta get on this AEW stuff, and I was, like, yeah, no, I want to, like, <laughs> It was funny. And like now, like we still follow each other on social media. And it's like when I got announced for AEW, they were just like, yo, what's up? Like, like kind of gave me props for that.
0: So being a performer yourself, then also working like behind the scenes on all these shows and stuff like what kind of inspiration were you able to draw from sitting? I know those are like long kind of boring days, but when you're like kind of watching those people work and like the who's who work, were you able to like pull some inspiration from some of that?
1: Not really. I I don't know. I guess like like it just like knowing that anything is possible, like you I kinda like I feel like I know how to make most things with less. Whether it be like set designing or like prop building, stuff like that. Like there's always a way to do something without a budget. For instance, the other day like I had to make like a like a sponsored video for somebody and I was like, I need to make this look cool. And it's just like in the middle of my basement i just took like uh this old china cabinet i have and then like an old card table and i put some like led lights into it and it's like everyone's like where were you like it looks like a western like saloon i'm like oh just in my basement so it's like you know you just make it work with whatever because you have to be on the fly and like you have to make things work quickly in in the movie industry
0: um in the wrestling industry set wise what are some things that you would like to spice up Are the things on like the, the main set, like from like the tunnels that you walk out, something there that you think could look really cool or even on like the backstage set or those conversations that you've had at all um, with Tony?
1: No, not really. I mean, like, I feel like, you know, stuff like, at like the fan fest and stuff, I feel like we can really, there's a lot of room for improvement there just to like, give the fans a better experience of like, not just having like concrete walls and stuff. I feel like, you know, Pipe and drape goes a long ways and, you know, filling the empty space, uh, you know, if there's just like a wrestling ring in the middle of a giant room, it helps a lot. Um, You know, for Shark Week, we had the giant shark cage and there was like some like aquatic stuff like on the stage. I feel like, you know, for the theme shows, we could do more stuff like that. It just adds something else to look at and something else to like, like, oh, that's different.
0: I feel like you need to have like two contracts. I think you need to have like the pro wrestler contract, but then also like on like the set design team. Get the man paid. I'm open. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up now with the promo code Rene, Renee, R E N E E. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. And with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. And the app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you get paid your winnings real super duper fast. So sign up today. Use the promo code RENEE for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Disclaimer, 21 in select states. First online, real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1 800 NEXT STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. 1 789 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1 800 9 WITH IT for Indiana. 1 877 770 STOP for Louisiana. 1 877 8 HOPE NY or text HOPE NY 467369 for New York. The TN Redline, 1 800 889 9789 for Tennessee, 1 800 522 4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Um, okay, so you're in the hardcore music scene. Um, that started pretty early on for you. You said, like, you know, 96, 97, 98, somewhere in there. You're a third generation set designer, lighting, all of that. When did pro wrestling sort of make its way into your world?
1: Uh, When I was 26 years old.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Basically, uh, I was doing set lighting. I was touring with my band. You know, I was making good money, but I didn't, like, love my job. You know, at the end of the day, it's, like you said, it's long hours, very physical. Uh, It's, in a nutshell, it's basically just construction.
0: It's a thankless job, too, right?
1: I feel like every crew guy when I'm like walking out I I try to thank like all of them that I walk by and they all just look at me like was he talking to me <laughs> you know I just want them to know like I, yeah. I've been on this side I know how it is like you guys are doing a great job and I feel like uh a lot of my peers maybe don't think about that on a daily basis like these guys are making you know a, a normal living wage and like working their asses off and they're there before we're there and they're a- after we're there so it's like. They definitely deserve more praise, I feel like.
0: And it's not like their local crew that's hired, right? These are guys that are still traveling the same as everybody else's. They're away from their family. I mean, yes, sometimes there is local crew brought in there obviously, but like a lot of times it's like those, those behind the scenes crew people are, yeah, they're traveling the same grueling schedule that everybody else is.
1: Yeah. And it's like, you know, these are the guys that, you know, in the heat of the moment you're barking orders at, and then they just make it happen. So it's like, Give a little thank you on the way out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, for real. Give a little love to those guys.
1: So, yeah, I was I was doing set lighting, not really loving my job. I was with my wife. We've been together for almost 11 years now. You know, she kind of was with me through the whole thing. I started set lighting when I was 18. So it's like I started very young and. Making adult money when you're very young is not always the best thing, and I, I I think that a lot of pro wrestlers can vouch for that as well. It's like you're just kind of a shithead. You think you know everything, and like you burn a lot of bridges. And then like when you move out of your parents' house and you get real bills, and then you're like, oh fuck! Like the phone's not ringing as much as it should be. But I need to start, you know, making amends and and putting my head to the grindstone. And I started like figuring it out. Um, I bought a house. And like we were doing great. And then I was just, my, one of my friends started, uh, his girlfriend was an in arena host for the LA Kings.
0: Is this Carlin?
1: It is Carlin. Yeah.
0: Love her. What a dream boat that chick is. Big fan.
1: So Carlin's doing in arena hosting. She meets this older wrestler and he was like, basically, hey, if, if your boyfriend wants to, you know, run the ropes, take a bump, whatever, I can, I know a school that I can take him to and uh her boyfriend Colin is my best friend. One day I he's posting photos of him running the ropes and I'm like what how, like how are you doing this? Like pro wrestling was like probably my first love. Like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, He-Man and pro wrestling. That was like my <laughs> So it's like I I always used to say like I wanted to be a pro wrestler when I grew up, like when I was in high school or junior high, people would be talking about whatever. And I'm like, I want to be a pro wrestler. It's like, But I never knew the steps to take to get there. I didn't know the wrestling schools. And then like, you know, when you kind of start to grow up, like that kind of goes to the back of your mind and you don't think about it as much. But that like kind of sparked an interest. I was just like, well, I want to try this just to try it. So uh, we went to. Our local wrestling show, uh, it was Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy, and uh, they were having a student showcase. And the next day I signed up for their beginner's class.
0: When you think of like the base of it, of like, oh, I want to be a pro wrestler. But like, how the hell does somebody actually accomplish that if it's not a thing that's right in front of you and tracking down the schools and then like actually putting in the work to do that? It's not this hobbyist kind of thing. You're like really Seeking that out. I find that really fascinating of like what those first steps are, that first day, taking that first bump, finding the first person that like really took you under their wing. Like I find all that stuff so fascinating.
1: My pro wrestling experience was, I feel like very old school. Uh my trainer, Joey Chaos, he never wants to put out a product that isn't ready to do an entire match. So I can't call a match, call on the fly, stuff like that. Uh, so my pro wrestling training was about a year and a half before I had my first match. And even then I, I felt like I wasn't ready. So it's like, you know, I know that there's a lot of kids that go to like these like three month schools or whatever. And then they're like working on TV. I'm like, Oh boy, I would have been scared shitless. But yeah, those first days were like definitely eye-opening. Uh, you know, obviously the cardio, the physicality, like the physicality was fine. Like as far as like taking chops, forearms, bumping, like stuff like that, I've done that forever like you said I'm getting hit in the in a mosh diving off the stage and nobody it's like yeah I'll take a bus. we started like learning dives like my lucha coach was like hey who wants to try it first and i was like "Oh, I'll do it and I just did like a toe pick on heel like a flip dive over the top like right away he's like how do you know how to do this and like we started talking and it turns out that my lucha coach was actually like in hardcore bands
0: who knew that was such a transferable skill <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> I mean, I didn't at the time. And then it's like the selling yourself as a professional, like all these things I learned from punk and hardcore music. So those lessons were truly invaluable. And I didn't realize at the time that I was, you know, learning these things that were going to like set me up kind of for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's so funny how like certain things like it was like the seeds are like planted and then it all just kind of comes together like in that big like Oprah aha moment. Which leads to you working with Malachi now as well like working with House of Black, you guys just kind of like re-emerged on the scene. What was that time like for you guys not being on TV and having that little bit of a break?
1: I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to take a break because I felt like I had a lot of momentum at the time, but not just that I felt like I was really uh, getting in my groove in Aew and like really showing like who Brody King, the professional wrestler was. I got to wrestle Darby twice i got the rest of john and it's like i feel like those three matches really put me on the map like where people were just like oh he's just like malachi's sidekick to like oh shit, he's like a threat and those were the moments that i was waiting for it was never like me questioning if i could do it it's like when i can do it and i feel like that it all came at the right time and i was worried about it taking the momentum away but we made this return and it was awesome and the whole crowd was like standing on their feet and i feel like it was almost like we didn't miss a step and i feel like that's really rare in wrestling because fans are so i don't want to say fickle but like they they forget about you quickly for them to give us that reception was was awesome
0: I think of, like, when you debuted with AEW and, like, what a huge reception you got. I do feel like you, like, landed on the scene. Everyone was like, oh, shit, Brody King's here. This is amazing. And then, like, seeing you paired up uh, with Malachi just made, like, perfect sense. Like, I definitely don't think people thought that you were just his sidekick. But for you to be able to have those singles matches and, yeah, really kind of, like, solidify yourself, plant your flag was fantastic. So with House of Black, what... Um, What do you guys want to accomplish? What's the plan?
1: Us versus everyone, you know? Kind of like how we live our lives outside of the world. Like, me and Malachi both come from hardcore music. He kind of dips more into, like, black metal and stuff like that. Whereas I stay more kind of in my lane in hardcore punk and, like, death metal adjacent.
0: Does he do, like, Scandinavian death metal? Does he stay more, like, European with it?
1: Like, as far as, like, black metal, that's, like, a little out of my range, and I just don't really care for it, but the aesthetics of it are really awesome and which is where we draw a lot of inspiration from as well we have like the same thought process when it comes to like the world and like how we conduct ourselves and like you know we're we're very much on the same page when it comes to that so it it makes it easy when we're coming up with like concepts of like how we want to look how we want to present ourselves and i feel like when it comes to AEW, we are delivering a product that they don't have and i feel like wrestling we're delivering a product that nobody has there's people that have like the spooky gimmick or whatever you want to call it but it's like this is authentic to us like this isn't us putting on a costume pretending to like the music that we like we have deep knowledge on all things of what we're doing you know malachi reads all these weird old books on witchcraft and like black magic and stuff And it's like I'm constantly reading comic books and play Magic the Gathering and listen to alternative music. So it's like we never want to present something that we are not actually involved in.
0: That's a thing I think as well that you kind of like learn over time and working with the people that are like minded with you. Because, yeah, I feel like you get sniffed out very early on if you were just like playing a gimmick of a thing that's not actually true to what you're into. Um, It just falls flat. Every single time. Um, Julia Hart. Talk to me about bringing Julia Hart into work with you guys. And you guys plan to expand House of Black beyond but uh, the four of you right now?
1: I would say right now we are very much like kind of a hive mind. We, we all kind of want the same thing and kind of like know the trajectory that we want to go in. Bringing in Julia was interesting because, you know, obviously on the outside, like a 19-year-old cheerleader. Makes no sense to be with us. But then, like, she joins the group and it's like she fits in perfect.
0: Who is this Stevie Nicks, babe? What's going on? It's so good.
1: You know, even when it came down to making her music, um, my best friend Colin, he plays drums and writes all the music in God's Hate. Him and his brother have a million bands, but, like, they're very well-respected and known in the hardcore scene. Their band, Dead Body, actually wrote the new Um, house of black theme he wrote um julia hart's theme he wrote the song that evil dan housing came out to so it's like he's like a massive wrestling fan too so he didn't make it to be a wrestler but to have his like influence in wrestling now is is really cool for him but uh when he was making julia's music he's just like what do you want it to sound like and Julie just goes, well, I like like Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. And we're like, I feel like everyone just like, I kind of turn her like. <laughs>
0: Didn't see that one.
1: <laughs> it's like, wait, there's more here than we than we think. It was before. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think it was before. All out. So she came in and double nothing. Yeah. So before all out, me and my wife took her to the mall to like find something for her entrance here. We've like become like her wrestling parents. But she like found like this black dress and then she just like picked up the, the hat and she's just like, I really like this hat. And she put it on and we're just like, yeah, that's it. Now people are calling her like Tiny Taker or whatever. But like <laughs> yeah, she has this like Stevie Nix like vibe.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, you're right. It's, no one saw that one coming. It was so unexpected. I was like, wait, I think I love this.
1: Yeah, she's she was like this like bubbly, like sweet cheerleader and now she just like has the most resting bitch face on earth.
0: <laughs> uh what about trios titles? When you guys saw those being introduced to AEW and obviously where you guys are at now. Um yeah, I guess just like your your reaction to the trios titles and what that could look like for you guys.
1: I feel like it's a matter of time. Timing is everything and we're just waiting we're waiting to, for our time. They're wrapped up in this best of 7 series currently, but I feel like with time you will see House of Black go after those titles and take those titles at some point.
0: Let's get the good stuff happening. It is time. It is time. Um, Okay, so we got to talk a little bit of wrestling. We may circle back to that in a second, but um, to completely switch gears, your family has a candy business. Is this true?
1: Yeah, so my mom and my sister, they do like caramel apples, like candy apples, and like they do uh, different chocolates and popcorn and all kinds of other stuff. My family has always been like, Very hustling driven.
0: Yeah, you guys work, man.
1: It really starts going all the way back from when my dad started getting his days in the movie industry. He was uh, doing uh, oil drilling in Fresno. And then like he didn't want to do that anymore. So my grandfather had an opportunity for him to get in the movie industry. But uh, while you're getting your days to get into the union and like becoming part of the union, There's kind of a down period. So he went out and bought a trailer, painted a trailer, and then like put in a snow cone machine and like a hot dog carousel. And then he was just selling hot dogs and snow cones outside of Home Depot. And like that turned into like a whole concession business on the side for them. For many years, it was like my first job when I was like 12 years old. And then that turned into like a candy business. So yeah, now they do that during the holidays and. They're very good. It's called BB Sweet Treats on Instagram.
0: What do you make? Do you do you like roll up your sleeves and get some stuff done?
1: Uh, So, yeah, I'm I'm a pretty, pretty good cook. I like to smoke meat.
0: When you're talking smoker, are you like a Traeger guy? Are you a green egg guy? What kind of a smoker are we talking here?
1: So if I have the time, I like to have a stick burner, which is just like old school, you know, barrel smoker with wood. Most of the time I don't have the time. So I, I have a, a Yoder smoker. So it's a pellet smoker that I, that is very good. Very expensive. <laughs> it costs a Smokers lot. I was are like,
0: expensive as all hell. Holy shit.
1: When I bought it, I was like, oh, okay. But I mean, it, it makes a good product. Um, and I like to cook a lot of steak. So I'm, I've become really good at cooking steak.
0: I bought a smoker um, pretty early on during the pandemic I was just like, I want this. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to commit to the smoking lifestyle. And I got a Traeger and I love it. I love that I can just like, it's not the like stoking the fire and, you know, that work being put into it. But I do love that you can just like sift through the recipes, figure out. I did like a smoked queso on there. Oh my God. I smoked a pie on there one time. Oh my God. It's so good.
1: They're a really easy, really good uh smoked baked bean recipe. And basically you just you go and you buy the cans of like um pork and beans and you just do that, brown sugar, mustard, uh and whatever barbecue sauce. I I make a barbecue sauce usually usually, but you can get like a good barbecue sauce and put it in it. You cook bacon and you use the bacon fat and then you layer the bacon on top. And then you just put in the, the trigger for three hours and it's incredible.
0: That sounds amazing. I'm also starving right now. So all this food talks kind of killing me. I just have like acid coffee, just sloshing around in my belly right now. I need real food. Um, (laughs) taking things back to the wrestling side. Um, you mentioned, um, you know, your matches with Darby, your matches with John. Uh, what was it like for you getting in there and working with Darby and being able to like toss around a guy like him, like the matches you guys were able to have?
1: So Darby and I have like a storied history. Like we started almost the exact same time in wrestling. We started coming up at the same time, becoming popular. And Our our careers have always kind of like mirrored each other. So like he was in Evolve and then I, I had like an Evolve tryout and it was against Darby. And we like beat the shit out of each other all over. And I feel like from that moment on, we kind of realized like, we have good chemistry and like this is going to be everywhere so then we like wrestled at aew a couple times we wrestled at pwg uh i was actually the first person to ever take the skateboard stomp i don't know i I feel like when it comes to wrestling darby we don't think about it we just do it and it's just like he trusts me i trust him and it just makes for a really good product you know our two matches so far in aew we had um, the match where I beat him up a lot. And then we had the coffin match where he beat me up a lot. You know, I, I kind of went into that match being like, well, John bleeds all the time. So I have to bleed more than John. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's a good bar anybody wants to set, but hey, to each their own. Do your art.
1: Darby's definitely my greatest opponent. And uh, I'm sure that our, our story is far from over.
0: As the roster grows and changes and opportunities shift and happen, uh, you talk about that moment of building that momentum and having some of those really great singles matches. Who else do you really want to get in there and mix it up with? Or is there somebody that's maybe not even at AEW that you think should be there that you'd be able to kind of tangle it up with?
1: Samojo. Not to sound like a fanboy, he's probably my favorite wrestler of all time. Realistically and just like... The type of person that he is, the type of wrestler he is, the way he looks. Like, I think that he is the perfect wrestler. I would just love to test myself against him.
0: Samoa Joe is also one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, He's like one of my favorite human beings. And just being able to like watch the way he moves in the ring, um, everything that he brings to the table, like athletic wise, mind wise, like the guy is just it. And I feel like there's just like, there's some really great matches left in Samoa Joe. And one of them should definitely be against you.
1: (laughs) As far as people that aren't in AEW that I would like to wrestle, uh, I would, I would love to wrestle Shingo Takagi. I mean, that was, that's another like big one on my list. I would love to have a a match against Okada. Like, I feel like Okada is so smooth. When you think about his moves, they're never like these complex, crazy spots but, like, the matches are obviously, like, you know, some of the best of all time, in some people's opinions. The same with Shingo. It's like Shingo just, he does a lariat. He does a couple of cool slams.
0: I love a good lariat. Lariat just gets the job done sometimes. I love it.
1: It really does. And I, I, I feel like a lot of people throw lariats, but no one properly does it. And, like, I think that I throw a pretty good lariat. I remember... When I wrestled Alex Reynolds on Elevation, I hit him with a really gnarly one and he took like a really crazy bump and everyone was just like, oh my God, are you like everyone in the back, like asked him. And he was just like, yeah, fine. That's when you know that it's good is when someone when the boys are asking, hey, are you dead?
0: I would always think that when John was wrestling Seth. I would watch those two and I'm like, holy shit, the way that Seth would take uh, the Lariat from John always just like blew my mind. Seth just, I mean, the way he moves is, he's incredible. Obviously, John as well. Hats off. Um, But yeah, love that. Um, Your time in New Japan, from being in like Ring of Honor, New Japan, your time in AEW, um, to have all of those things kind of like culminating together, but specifically your time in New Japan, like what kind of things were you able to like pick up there? Um, and and who, who, like who took you under their wing over there?
1: Uh, so Rocky Romero is actually one of my coaches. I would say he, he was like my finishing school. I had my formal training under Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy. And then when I started wrestling, uh, Rocky was running a class in, uh, in the Valley on Wednesday nights and literally nobody showed up we would be there for three hours and I got so much knowledge out of him. And I feel like Rocky is one of the most underrated wrestlers ever. He's unbelievably good in the ring. Everyone loves him. And now he's like, you know, more on the back end booking side of like New Japan. So it's like, obviously he has a like a great mind for the business as well. So he like really took me under his wing and I got to, you know, I kind of started from the ground up at New Japan. Like when they had their first Big show in in America. I was like, kind of like young boying on the ring side, like helped to put up the ring, break down the ring, like set everything up, and then from there, I, I was doing a couple of dojo matches, and then uh, I got to do a tour of New Japan during the Best of the Super Juniors. I was like seconding uh, Marty Scurll when he was in the tournament, so I was there for like a month doing that, and I got to, you know, become close with guys like Trent and Juice when they were in New Japan but um i got to wrestle guys like kojima and nagata and like those guys were really good to me and they were they gave me a lot and like they have always praised me and like you know messaged me like when i have good matches and that that's awesome because they're like legends and i feel like i climbed the ladder like perfectly and then during the pandemic we started doing strong and yeah i was basically on every strong through the entire pandemic and kind of growing that product and then like wrestling the guys when they would come over I got to wrestle Kenta. I got to wrestle Ishii. and then my last match with New Japan so far, I, I wrestled and and beat uh, Minoru Suzuki, which was like
0: what a moment, huh? Oh my god!
1: When I did when that happened, it was like that was the icing on the cake, and I feel like that was New Japan's like seal of approval, like they're like graduating me, they trust me now, and like when I first got my New Japan tracksuit, it's just like wow, I'm like I'm doing it. That was like my goal as a wrestler was always to work for New Japan. And um I was not like a WWE guy really. Like, especially coming in like later in life, I feel like that just wasn't something that really appealed to me. And and as like an older person, I, I saw New Japan as like this like, you know, that's where you go to like hone your craft and that's where you learn to become a professional wrestler. And I feel like during the pandemic, I like almost completely switched my style because of New Japan. It's like making a lot out of little and like making moments and, and, uh, you know, having a good larian, (laughs) but new Japan definitely made me a good professional wrestler.
0: No doubt. No, you're absolutely right. In terms of like that, like finishing school to really like hone your craft and like the, the, I think like the respect in the business as well, that you're able to get from, from your time being spent over there. Um, how happy were you to see that like AEW was having this amazing working relationship with, with new Japan while also then acquiring ring of honor.
1: It's awesome. Like obviously when I was with ring of honor, um, they had the relationship with new Japan. So I was able to do a lot with new Japan, you know, ring of honor was a place that was always a destination for me as well. Especially like towards the end of my indie run is when my wife got pregnant with my son, Dante. And that that was like, Oh boy, I I better start making some good money during wrestling or I probably do this anymore. Then I got signed to Ring of Honor and it was like, okay, well, here we go. And Ring of Honor taught me how to work TV. And then being able to do that in New Japan at the same time was awesome. Coming out of Ring of Honor, going into AEW, I knew that the relationship was not like very firm yet, but it was kind of like a question mark at that time. Like New Japan wanted to stay loyal to Ring of Honor and now Tony owns Ring of Honor. So (laughs) there's a lot of people that I love there. There's a lot of people that I would love to work with and see come here you know see like osprey and ozzy open and like all guys like making a name for themselves on national television like those are some of the best wrestlers on the planet in my opinion you know seeing uh desperado and and uh Connor like be able to like show that they like their brand of wrestling on a national audience is awesome
0: you know, I think when you hear some of these names thrown around and then actually getting to, like, see what these guys do, mix it up with some of the guys that are already over here. Like, I think it's just such a great way to, like, showcase talent, get people that experience. And, uh yeah, like, literally having the best wrestlers in the world, just fucking ripping it up. Lariat's all around. Yep. <laughs> Well, listen, Brody, I will let you get back to uh, to dad life. I mean, I know your kids are gone, so maybe like you can take a little breather for a second.
1: I'm going to go eat lunch and hang out with
0: them. <laughs> yeah. uh Yeah. Well, thank you so much for... Uh, oh, wait. Emilio's asking me to ask you about the clowns. Oh, the clown stuff behind him? Are you into clowns?
1: Uh, sort of. But I mean, I have like this painting of this like hobo clown that my friend Alan that's really awesome it's on like glass and then i have uh i found this at a vintage store and i don't know i just had to have it this is clyde as his hat says
0: john would be so mad at me if i brought that home
1: <laughs> yeah it's a uh, it's terrifying um
0: is it lit up from the inside is his mouth glowing or is that coming from another light no i put
1: leds in his mouth
0: Extra creepy.
1: Yeah, it's like an old circus, like, trash can lid. So, you just put trash in his mouth. It's very weird.
0: Wait, that's what it was for? It was, uh, like, literally, like, a lid to a trash can? Yep. Oh, my gosh. I love that.
1: I like things that are, like, unsettling that aren't supposed to be, I guess.
0: I had this, like, elf head cookie jar that I got at, like, a vintage shop. And John fucking hates this thing. It's just, like, this, like, very, like... I think it's really cute, but I get how it's like creepy. It's hidden somewhere in this house. But he's like, anytime I come home from like a thrift store or something like that, he's like, he thinks it's cursed. He thinks it's going to like mess up the mojo of the house. I'll have to have you guys have a conversation about that stuff because he would be very anti that.
1: I'm never going to kill and stuff an animal, but like I'll buy and collect them. I have a coyote head. I like weird stuff.
0: <laughs> hey, you're allowed to like weird stuff. It's fine. We like it. We like it a lot. Uh, Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on and hanging out with me. Uh, You are a fascinating dude. Um, I can't wait to see more stuff that's going to be happening for you in AEW with, uh, with House of Black. Some great singles matches. Everyone can get some.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you to Brody for hanging out with me. Uh, I always appreciate people taking the time to to give me an hour out of their day when I know everybody's got crazy busy schedules. So appreciate ya. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. If you want to check it out, the video aspect of it, of course, head on over to the YouTube page to search Renee Paquette. Search the sessions. It will all come up there. You guys can like and subscribe and all of the video content lives there. So if you want to get eyes on the product, as we say that's where you do it. Thank you guys for listening though. In the meantime, this has been The Sessions.